Part 2. The First of the Three Spirits Scrooge woke up to the ringing of a heavy bell. To his amazement it rang six, then seven, then eight. It stopped at twelve. Twelve! How could that be? He'd gone to bed at two. The clock was wrong. An icicle must have got into the works. Twelve! He squinted at his pocket watch. Twelve! It isn't possible, said Scrooge, that I could have slept through a whole day and far into another night. He scrambled out of bed and went to the window. All he could see was that it was dark and foggy and extremely cold, and there were no people out. Scrooge went back to bed. As he lay there, he thought and thought, and the more he thought, the more perplexed he was, about the strangeness of the time, but even more, about Marley's ghost. Was it a dream or not? Then he remembered. The ghost had warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one. He decided to lie awake until it came, but time passed slowly and he dozed. The church bell rang. One. Suddenly, light flashed in the room and Scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor who was sitting as close to him as I am now to you. The visitor was a strange figure. It was small, like a child. Its hair was white, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it. The arms were very long and muscular, and the hands looked uncommonly strong. Its legs and feet were bare. It wore clothes of the purest white. Around its waist was a shiny belt. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand. At first Scrooge thought the strangest thing about the visitor was a bright, clear jet of light streaming from the top of its head. But the more he looked, its strangest quality was how the figure changed, sometimes light, sometimes dark, now seeming to have one arm and one leg, now with twenty legs, now with a pair of legs without a head, now a head without a body. "'Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me?' asked Scrooge. "'I am,' the visitor said in a soft and gentle voice. "'Who and what are you?' Scrooge demanded. "'I am the ghost of Christmas past.' "'Long past?' "'No,' the visitor said. "'Your past.' "'What business brings you here?' "'Your welfare,' said the ghost. "'So take heed.' The ghost put out its hand as it spoke and clasped Scrooge gently by the arm. "'Rise!' and walk with me. There would have been no point for Scrooge to plead that the weather was miserable and the hour was late, and that he was only wearing his slippers, robe, and nightcap. The ghost was not to be resisted. The ghost gestured for him to approach the window. I am mortal, Scrooge said. I might fall. Take my hand. Just as he said those words, they passed as if by magic through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either side. The city had entirely vanished. The darkness and the mist had also vanished. It was a clear, cold winter day. Good heaven, said Scrooge, clasping his hands together as he looked about him. I was born here. I was a boy here. Your lip is trembling, said the ghost, noticing that Scrooge was silently crying. And what is that upon your cheek? 
Scrooge muttered with an unusual catch in his voice that it was nothing, and begged the ghost to lead him where he would. "'You know the way?' said the spirit. "'Remember it?' cried Scrooge. "'I could walk it blindfold.' "'Strange to have forgotten it for so many years,' observed the ghost. "'Let's go on.' As they walked along the road, Scrooge recognised every gate, post, and tree. A little market town appeared in the distance, with its bridge, its church, and winding river. Some shaggy ponies now were seen trotting towards them, with boys upon their backs, who called to other boys in carts driven by farmers. All these boys were in great spirits and shouted to each other, until the broad fields were filled with the joyous music of children. "'Those are only shadows of the things that used to be,' said the ghost. "'They are not aware that we are here.' More people appeared. Scrooge knew and named them all. He was happy to see them. His cold eye glistened, and his heart leapt up as they went past and he was filled with gladness when he heard them wish each other Merry Christmas as they headed off to their homes. "'The school is not quite deserted,' said the ghost. "'One child, neglected by his friends, is still there.' Scrooge said he knew that, and he sobbed. They left the road and soon approached a mansion of dull red brick. It was a large house, but the rooms were unused, their walls were damp and mossy, and their windows were broken. The ghost and Scrooge walked to a door at the back of the house. It opened before them, revealing a long, bare, melancholy room, made barer still by lines of desks. At one of these, a lonely boy was reading near a feeble fire. Scrooge sat down and wept to see the boy, his poor forgotten self, as he used to be. The spirit touched him on the arm, and pointed to his younger self, intent upon his reading. Suddenly a man in foreign clothes stood outside the window with an axe stuck in his belt. Beside them was a donkey laden with wood. "'Why, it's Ali Baba!' Scrooge exclaimed. "'It's dear old honest Ali Baba! Yes, yes, I know. One Christmas time, when that poor child was left here all alone, he did come for the first time just like that. Poor boy!' Scrooge stopped and rubbed his eyes with his cuff. "'What is the matter?' asked the spirit. "'Nothing,' said Scrooge. "'Nothing.' The ghost smiled thoughtfully and waved its hand. "'Let's see another Christmas,' he suggested. The room became darker and dirtier. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked. Fragments of plaster fell out of the ceiling, but how all this was brought about Scrooge knew no more than you do. He only knew that it seemed right, the way everything had happened. And there he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the jolly holidays. The boy was not reading now, but walking up and down despairingly. Scrooge looked at the ghost, and, with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in. She put her arms about his neck and kissed him. "'I have come here to bring you home, dear brother,' said the girl, clapping her tiny hands and bending down to laugh. "'To bring you home, home, home!' "'Home, little fan?' returned the boy. "'Yes,' said the child. 
Home for good and all, home for ever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be that home's like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one night that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you, and you're to be a man, and are never to come back here. But first we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. You are quite a woman, little fan, exclaimed the boy. She clapped her hands and laughed, and tried to touch his head, but being too little, laughed again and stood on tiptoe to embrace him. Then she began to drag him, in her childish eagerness, towards the door. A voice in the hall cried, "'Bring down Master Scrooge's box there!' And very quickly Scrooge's trunk was tied on to the top of the carriage, and the children were telling the schoolmaster good-bye, and driving out of the drive and toward their home." "'Always a delicate creature,' said the ghost, "'but she had a large heart.' "'So she did. "'She had a child,' said the ghost. "'One child,' Scrooge noted. "'True,' said the ghost. "'Your nephew.' Scrooge seemed uneasy, and answered briefly, "'Yes.' Now they were in the busy thoroughfares of a city. It was clear, by the shops, that here too it was Christmas time again, but it was evening and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. Know it, said Scrooge. I apprenticed here. They went in. An old gentleman in a Welsh wig sat behind a desk so high that if he had been two inches taller he would have knocked his head against the ceiling. Scrooge cried in great excitement. Why, it's old Fezziwig! Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again! Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his vest, laughed all over himself, and called out in a comfortable, oily, rich, fat, jovial voice, "'Yo-ho there, Ebenezer! Dick!' Scrooge's former self, now grown a young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow apprentice. "'That's Dick Wilkins!' said Scrooge to the ghost. "'Bless me, yes, there he is. He was very much attached to me, was Dick. Poor Dick!' "'Yo, ho, my boys,' said Fezziwig. "'No more work to-night. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up.' You wouldn't believe how these two fellows went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters, one, two, three, and had them up in their places, four, five, six, and barred them and pinned them, seven, eight, nine, and came back before you could have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Hilly ho! cried old Fezziwig, skipping down from his desk. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Clear away? There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away, or couldn't have cleared away, with old Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Everything that could be moved was packed off. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire. The warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright as a ballroom. In came a fiddler. In came Mrs. Fezziwig. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. 
In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In came the boy from over the way. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came. And away they all went, twenty couples dancing at once, until old Fezziwig clapped his hands to stop the dancing, and the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. There were more dances, and there was cake, and there was a great piece of roast beef, and there were mince pies, and plenty to drink. But the great effect of the evening came when the fiddler struck up Mr. Fezziwig's favourite tune, and the Fezziwigs danced together. When the clock struck eleven, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shook hands with every person individually as he or she went out, and wished him or her a Merry Christmas. During the whole of this time, Scrooge's heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self. He remembered everything and enjoyed everything. Only when the bright faces of his former self and Dick left the ball did he remember the ghost, and became conscious that it was looking full upon him. "'How little it takes,' said the ghost, "'to make these silly folks so full of gratitude.' "'How little,' echoed Scrooge. "'Why, is it not? "'He has spent only a few pounds, three or four, perhaps. "'Is that so much that he deserves this praise?' "'It isn't that,' said Scrooge, "'speaking unconsciously like his younger self. "'It isn't that, spirit.' The happiness he gave is as great as if it cost a fortune. He felt the spirit's glance and stopped. What is the matter? asked the ghost. Nothing in particular, said Scrooge. Well, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. His former self turned down the lamps, and Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side in the open air. My time grows short, observed the ghost. Quick! This was not addressed to Scrooge or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect. For again Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. His face had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye, which showed the passion that had taken root, the passion for money. Scrooge was not alone now. He sat by the side of a young girl in a mourning dress. There were tears in her eyes. "'It matters little,' she said softly. "'To you, very little. Another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in times to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no reason to grieve.' "'What idol has displaced you?' he asked. "'A golden one. This is the way of the world, he said. There is nothing it pretends to hate more than the pursuit of wealth, she answered gently. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one, until the master passion, gain, obsesses you. What if it has, he reported. I am not changed towards you, she shook her head. Well, am I? Our contract was made when we were both poor and content to be so, until we could improve our worldly fortune by our hard industry. You were another man, then. Now you are changed. 
I was a boy, Scrooge said impatiently. The way you speak tells you that you were not what you are now, she said. I am. I release you from our contract. It's the right thing. I can't believe any more that you would choose a poor girl. I know if you did, you would regret it. So I release you, with a full heart, for the love of the man you once were. He was about to speak, but with her head turned from him, she continued, The memory of what is past may give you pain. Part of me hopes for that, but it will be a very, very brief pain, and you will dismiss the memory of it. So may you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him, and they parted. Spirit, said Scrooge, show me no more. Take me home. One shadow more exclaimed the ghost. No more, cried Scrooge. No more, I don't wish to see it. Show me no more. But the relentless ghost grabbed him and forced him to look at what happened next. They were in another scene and place, a room not very large or handsome but comfortable. Near to the fireplace sat a beautiful young girl, so like that last girl that Scrooge believed it was the same, until he saw her, a mother now, sitting opposite her daughter. The noise in this room was perfectly tumultuous, for there were many children there. The place was noisy, but no one seemed to care. On the contrary, the mother and daughter laughed heartily and enjoyed it very much. Who wouldn't want to be part of that family? But now a knocking at the door was heard, and they all rushed to greet the father, who entered with a man struggling under the weight of Christmas toys and presents. The children grabbed the father and tugged on him, and pounded his back and shouted with wonder and delight as each package was set out. It seemed to take forever to clear the room of the little children and get them to bed. And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever, as the master of the house sat down with his eldest daughter and her mother at his own fireside. And he thought that such another creature, quite as graceful and as full of promise, might have called him father, and been a joy to him in the winter of his life, and his sight grew very dim indeed. "'Bell,' said the husband, turning to his wife with a smile, "'I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon. Who? Guess. How can I? Oh, wait, was it Mr. Scrooge?' "'Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window.' and, as it was not shut up and he had a candle inside, I could see him clearly. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he sat alone, quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, said Scrooge in a broken voice, take me away from this place. I told you these were shadows of the things that have been, said the ghost. They are what they are, don't blame me. Remove me, Scrooge exclaimed. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. The next thing he knew, Scrooge was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, and more of being in his own bedroom. He barely had time to pull up the covers before he sank into a heavy sleep.' 